All right, so Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah is a great way to know more about our God and more about his ways. Uh, firstly, who is Zephaniah? Well, in the first verse, it gives you a small genealogy. One thing we learn is that he's a descendant of Hezekiah and of royal lineage. He prophesies during the days of Josiah, and we know Josiah is known for leading his people away from idolatry. Now, a few of the expressions that we read in Zephaniah are very similar to what we have read in the other minor prophets. One example is Habakkuk 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, uh, and it states, But Jehovah is in his holy temple, that all the earth keeps silence before him. And in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Be silent in the presence of the Lord, Jehovah, for the day of Jehovah is at hand. Now, the reason why I'm bringing these two particular verses is because Zephaniah can be viewed as a prophet that summarizes in his book some of the major messages from of the prophets that had preceded him. But that's not to say that nothing original comes out of Zephaniah, as I haven't cross-referenced every verse. And verse 1 clearly states that the word of Jehovah came unto Zephaniah. But there's un undoubtable similarities. Uh, Zephaniah literally means Yahweh hides, which reminds me of the statement, he hides and we had to seek. But I'm not sure that's how it's meant to be interpreted, but that's what I got from it. But it does come in nicely with chapter 2, verse 3, where it does state, uh, Seek Jehovah, all ye meek of the land, who have performed his ordinance. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of Jehovah's anger. Now, this book portrays heavily how wrathful God is, and the reason he is so wrathful is because he is so holy, and our sin invokes God's wrath. Uh, the book starts with a scary introduction of how he's going to deal with the inhabitants uh, in chapters uh, chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. And that does feel quite similar to what happened in the days of Noah with the flood that wiped out the human race. And I'll read it just real quick. States, verse 2, I will utterly take away everything from the face of the ground, said Jehovah. Um, I will take away man and beast. I will take away the fowl of the heavens and fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off mankind from the face of the ground, saith Jehovah. Now, when we keep on reading, we see that even God's people, the tribe of Judah, um, aren't exempt from what is going on in chapter in chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. And that's significantly due to what Josiah was dealing with, um, which was also idolatry, uh, whether it be Baal or the stars. Some people um, yeah, uh, were worshipping the stars of the heavens and, or um, Malcolm, which um, you would sacrifice infants to. And others just simply turn their back on the Lord. So the sins of the people of Judah completely justifies the wrath of God. One thing, one thing we know about God is that he is the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. Wickedness, sin, and rebellion earns his wrath. A specific part in verse 7 of chapter 1 is um, Day of Jehovah, which is emphasized throughout this chapter quite a bit in verses 14 and 18, continued into chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and in chapter 3, verse 8, which is slightly different, but states, Therefore, wait ye for me, saith Jehovah, until the day that I rise up to the prey. So what is the day of Jehovah? Uh, it's a great day of judgment and nearing. It's the coming of the Lord upon all the nations, Jews, Gentiles, all for their sins. Um, in the Old Testament, the day of the Lord could designate a day in the immediate historic future, uh, when God would visit his people in judgment, and it can also designate the final visitation of God when he would establish his kingdom in the world, bring salvation to his people, and judge the wicked. Now, the first part when I said the immediate historic future, um, I'm referring to events in chapter 2, verse, I want to say 13 or 12 or 13. Um, 13, sorry. And he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Syria and will make Nineveh, I think that's how you say it, a desolation a place of drought like the wilderness. Now, in the New Testament, 
uh, the term has become a technical expression for the day when God will visit the world and bring this age to its end and inaugurate the age to come. Uh, in a nutshell, Christ is coming to gather his people. One thing for sure that in Zephaniah that you can't help but notice is that the day of, the day of Jehovah is a day of judgment, a day of God pouring out his wrath, we, uh, which I know I've already mentioned, but I feel like this book really wants to make an emphasis on that. Um, but it's also a day of joy and reunion with Christ Jesus and his redeemed people, us. There is also a bit of, I guess, instructions on how to deal with this. That's in the start of chapter two. Uh, chapter two starts with saying, collect yourselves and gather together, O nation, without shame. Uh, verse two states, before the decree bring forth, before the day pass away as chaff, before the fierce anger of Jehovah come upon you, before the day of Jehovah's anger come upon you. Uh, verse 3, seek Jehovah all ye meek of the land who have performed his ordinance, seek righteousness, seek meekness, and it may be, it may be ye shall be hid in the day of Jehovah's anger. In summary, uh, Yahweh is extremely angry with humanity and he's very opposed to the attitudes that are mentioned in chapters 1 and 2, such as pride, laziness, or complacency. Complacency being that um, they're just happy about to go about their own day and just kind of just rely on themselves more than anything else and really just ignore his um, instructions. Uh, he demands exclusive allegiance to himself and no other gods. He judges his own people just as he does the rest of the nations and he brings devastation on false gods and eventually they all submit to him at the end. And that is all I have for Zephaniah. So in... In my uh, cheat sheet at the front of my Bible, it tells me that Habakkuk and Zephaniah lived around the same time. Um, and that makes sense with the verse that you quoted, Phil, um, and that Daniel quoted to us from Habakkuk. Jehovah's in his temple, let all the earth be quiet. Um, and in, in Zephaniah, it says, be silent in the presence of the Lord Jehovah, for the day of Jehovah is at hand. When God judges, no one can speak. And that's, it's also mentioned in Zechariah. So this verse is, um, if you look in Zechariah uh, 2, verse 13, let all flesh be silent before Jehovah, for he has risen out of his holy hab habitation. Now, that's uh, similar to what is spoken of in Habakkuk. He's in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent. He's risen from his holy habitation, let all flesh be silent. And in Zephaniah, it gives us further explanation as to what that exactly means, and that means he's coming in judgment. And when he comes in judgment, every mouth is stopped and not a single person can say a thing to him. Um, we get that in Romans, yeah, in, uh, at, um, in Romans chapter 1. Just look at the end of verse 20 of chapter 1. It says, so as to render them inexcusable. Okay, that's one, but that's not what I was looking for. Somebody can help me with this. That every mouth may be silent. It's in chapter three. Thank you. Thanks, Georgie. Three and 19. 19. Thanks, Georgie. Uh, now we know that whatever things the law says, it speaks to those under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world be under the under judgment to God. Um, in judgment, every mouth is going to be stopped, and we get that in these, in these three prophets, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Zechariah. Yeah, but Zephaniah and um, Habakkuk live around the same time, so they're dealing with the same issues. 
And Zephaniah is focusing a lot on the day of the Lord, um, which you mentioned, Phil, this day when the Lord's going to bring in his judgment upon the people. Yeah, there was a sermon that did, um, he wasn't sure about it, so I didn't include it, but he did say that there might have been a bit of a collaboration between Josiah and Zephaniah when it came to the prophesying, but he couldn't really back it up with anything, so I just left it out. But, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's, I mean, it's pretty amazing that this guy is of royal line. I don't think, uh, who else, maybe maybe Daniel could have been. Um, but Zephaniah here, his direct relation of Hezekiah, and he's, he's prophesying against the city he's living in, Jerusalem. Yeah, so pretty amazing. Right? Um, yeah, he could have worked with Josiah because he was related. Yeah, he could. Uh, yeah, it was a relation. It makes relation. sense to me. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not going to say something that I'm not sure. <laughs> I like what what Phil says. It's it's remarkable how in the day of the Lord is not only wrath and trouble and distress, as it says chapter one, but also in chapter three it says, "Be glad and rejoice with all your heart." So it's it's. It's beautiful how the day of the Lord is not only um, about wrath and trouble and distress, destruction, devastation, but but also uh, joy. And it's like it's 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 beautiful to consider there is um, judgment, but at the same time there is hope, and it's just remarkable. It really is beautiful how he swings the day of the Lord in the end. Um, shows that other side of what the day of the Lord is. And we have spoken about those two sides of the day of the Lord before, but Zephaniah probably more than, um, more than many others really speaks about this positive aspect of it. Um, verse 11 of chapter 3, In that day thou shalt not be ashamed. Um, verse 16, In that day... It shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not Zion, let not thy hands be slack. Jehovah thy God is in thy midst, the mighty one that will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will exalt over thee with singing. I will save her that halteth and gather her that was driven out. All of these beautiful things that he says at the end. After, um, yeah, after a lot of, really harsh words, not only to Judah because he's speaking to Judah, but he speaks to the Philistines. He speaks to Moab and Ammon. He speaks to um, the Assyrians. And he's going to bring judgment upon all of them. The day of the Lord is going to be wider than just dealing with Judah. Um, he's going to deal with the nations around, and prophetically that's true also of the whole world. Um, and so, I mean, look at one verse, verse 15 of chapter 2. This is about Assyria. And this is what Assyria is saying in their heart. May Assyria or Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. Look at these words. I am and there is none else beside me. I mean, what a thing to say about yourself. That's, that's a claim of deity only. I am. 
No, God says there is none besides me. But here's a, a city, a country that's saying I am and there is none beside me. And, and God's judgment is going to come upon me. It had, it did in, um, in a day past and it will in a day to come, uh, in, prophetically in the day of the Lord.